0: What's up, world? It's Amy Ball, and welcome to Skeletons from the Closet, where we dig up the past to help you build a better future. Let's kick that closet door open, shall we? All righty, guys. So I have a titan in the house, a guy who is an absolute powerhouse in the HVAC industry and has a $40 million exit from his business to his name. Cool thing is, he's like what, 34? And not only that, he's a capital investor in 12 other companies. And get this, he he still doesn't get enough of it. He's firing up the furnace to help other trade professionals increase their profits. He's literally like an authentic trailblazer. And based on what I know, he's got a journey that you won't believe, full of roadblocks and battles and yes, even skeletons. So, Mr. Victor Rancor. Welcome to Skeletons from the Closet.
1: You know, I really like the name of this thing, and uh, I'm pretty excited to talk about the good, bad, and the ugly, you know what I mean? Like, everyone always thinks business is all cup, rainbows and cupcakes, and they see they see social media, and they only see the wins, and I think that's one of the things I like, why people like to follow me, because I talk about the losses, too. So uh, thanks for having me on. I'm excited to tell my story, and, you know, hopefully you know, inspire somebody and maybe gets them to, you know, continue pushing on, even when they are having a hard time, you know?
0: Yeah, no doubt about it definitely nobody sees the winds and the things that go on behind closed doors for a fact um now just so y'all know Victor and I me- recently met at an event where we were both speakers and you don't know this but it was really funny because everybody there's running around like on pins and needles all ho- hyped up about this HVAC hotshot speaker and when I met you I was like this is this is the guy like this is him because and it that's in a good way because um yeah. Like, like he didn't come across as one of those, look at me, Peacock Strutton, you know, I'm too good for you, egocentric characters that you find at some of these events. And plus we had a few cocktails at night and shared some stories and it made me like a more. So, you know, Victor, for all those who, who don't know your story, kind of just give some insight on who the hell you are.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'll give a little bit of my clip note stuff, but you know, I'm just like anybody else, man. I, I uh I wouldn't say I got lucky. I just I just found something where I can I can actually be myself in and, and excel in. Uh, so about 11 years ago, I was living in Cleveland, Ohio, doing oil changes for six, $6. seventy five an hour. And I was a guy down the oil pit, you know, changing oil, and and that's actually kind of where I kind of cut my teeth and understood started understanding sales a little bit because the only way to get out of the oil pit was to learn how to sell stuff. So you go to an oil change place, they're trying to sell you the cabin filters, the transmission flushes, the upgraded oil, all that stuff, right? So. And I got really good at it, and I created a process doing that. And and I, you know, I remember like when I worked there, I, I turned the worst store in the entire company and there was like 34, 36 or something like that from the worst one to the top one very quickly. And it's because I created a process and, and I didn't realize that that was going to kind of be the precursor for what I did the rest of my life is I always just figure out a way to do things better and streamline it and, and make it a way where it's repeatable. Right. Uh, so that was about 11 years ago. Um, I'm from California. Originally, I moved out to Ohio just because I, you know, I was doing dumb shit. I was 22 years old, 23 years old, uh, partying all the time, you know, spending, I would, I'd go out to Vegas, blowing all my money there, hanging out with dumb people, all that stuff, typical kid stuff. So, you know, I wanted to get away for a little bit, moved out to Cleveland. I have some family out there and, and I go out there pretty often, probably every, every other summer as a kid. Uh, so I went out there and then I realized that I was kind of the problem. I was the party animal. So like, didn't matter where you put me, I was going to find the same people, you know what I mean? So, about a year into that, I said, okay, well, I think I'm just going to go home. I'm going to be an idiot. I was going to be an idiot back in California rather than freeze my ass off in Cleveland, Ohio. So I uh, moved back here uh, and got back here and started running a bunch of odd jobs, you know, from bus and tables to like, one of the jobs I ended up getting was doing a loan modifications. So, you know, people called this back when the recession was going on and people were trying to help save their house. And I worked at a company that a law firm that kind of did that. So, you know, people would call in, they're late on their mortgage. They're trying to, they're hoping and praying they could find something that can help and that's what my company did. So I got, I learned phone sales at that point. So people would call in and then, you know, within the next hour and a half, three hours, I'm, they're sending me a check for 10,000 or $20,000, whatever it was. So I got to understand phone sales there, obviously customer service through, during serving tables and then all these really odd jobs that kind of all led into, you know, what I do now, like in, in customer service and things like that. So fast forward to 2015 in March, I answered a Craigslist ad, um, which is funny because no one really goes on Craigslist anymore, but Answered a Craigslist ad to become an HVAC technician. Um, at that time, you know, keep in mind, I was doing construction. Uh, as you know, construction is like, hey, we got work and then we don't, it's feast or famine. And uh, I answered this Craigslist ad at that point, my, my daughter's five months old, we're living in a room in a house and it's a rundown neighborhood, stuff like that. So I was really just trying to figure out anything. So I'll have a career and to, to get my kids out or get my daughter out of where we were living at. So answered the Craigslist ad, had no idea what HVAC stood for. They said, they're gonna train me to be a technician. And I would make, you know, a minimum 60 grand a year and then give me a work truck. So I'm like, perfect. I got, I got a freaking 95 Honda that I can barely get to the interview. So I need a car to work, right? So stuff like that. So uh, that was 2015. And, and then, you know, I went to the interview and then they showed me the pay plan. And once I saw the pay plan, I was like, you're going to pay me this much to do this, like going from six seventy five an hour to where now this is a commission-based job and they're going to they're give me an opportunity to earn my keep, right? Like, you know, eat what you kill. So I remember I got the pay plan the first time I called my wife. I said, hey, you know, you're never going to have to work another day in your life. She's like, what do you mean? I was like, they're going to pay me a stupid amount of money to do this HVAC job, whatever the hell it is, but I'm going to figure it out. They're going to train me. So I got the job and she's never had to work another day in her life. Um, From that point, you know, I I just dove into it and went all in on, on HVAC to learn everything about it from the sales side, the service side, the obviously being a technical, the technical side as well. And that's all I did is I studied every night and worked very hard to become the best. And very quickly, I became the number one technician in the entire country uh, as far as selling tech. Uh, Worked my way up, became a salesman, and then eventually had my entrepreneurial seizure in 2018, uh, August 2018. I didn't plan on starting my business. Uh, I was the number one sales guy in the country. I was making over half a million dollars a year selling AC. So I, made, I had a good had a good living. Uh, we had nice cars a nice house. And you know, the problem was that you know, as you guys know, most salespeople they spend the money as fast as they get it. You know, I had the AMG Mercedes and we had the house in California and, and kids and you know, all this, all the other stuff that you want, right? So I didn't plan on, on quitting my job. Owner pissed me off. He actually got an argument with my brother, my little brother that was working for us, and I told him don't mess with my brother. He kind of talked back to me and I said, All right, at that point, you know, I was actually at my buddy's pizza shop and we're drinking some beers he's like why don't you just start your own business i'm like i don't even know how to start my own business i don't i don't like i don't even like, i don't know where to even begin he's like well i'll help you you know i got a couple shitty trucks and we'll start this business so i gave him a little percentage in it he gave me two shitty trucks and that's when we started my business in august 2018 uh from nothing right and literally five days from him saying that five days later i started the business uh we actually the funny thing is the first job i ever got is i, I started texting everybody on my phone hey i started an HVAC company some random guy in a fantasy football league answers. Hey, my AC's out. So I go out there. I sell my AC. We install it day one, like the day we the day I sold that job. I quit my job, and I go. We go to install the AC, and at the end, he's like, "Well, I want to pay with my credit card." I'm like, "I don't have credit card processing," so I'm like, "Hold on, let me make a phone call." So I call my partner at the pizza shop. I was like, "Hey, run this guy's credit card through your pizza shop." And <laughs> so we end up running our, our first job. It was like $9,000 or something like that. And my buddy gets a text message that he bought a $9,000 pizza and he's going to use his shit. So that's kind of my story uh, from like the origin, I guess, where I came from. And then we could talk a little bit about where I'm at now and things that we've done over the last couple of years. But yes, yeah, so the company I started was Absolute Airflow out in Southern California. Uh, we grew that four and a half years from nothing to over $65 million. And like I said, we exited in, in uh, June of this year.
0: Wow. Like I have so many questions now at this point. <laughs> How many hours do we have? No. Um I know for real. Okay. So so seriously, so you have literally gone from like in the last let's say 14 years or whatever, like most people start from minimum wage to this Huge company that you didn't plan on building that you basically took imperfect action on to set up because it was like okay I have to break it to build it kind of thing didn't even have a way to take payments which I think is so cool because so many people get hung up on worrying about everything has to be freaking perfect and it's like that's why you never succeed bro but I, I do have a question for you so you know a lot of people they get into this and and even with you I mean just the to fathom going from in five years to building a 40 million dollar company it seems so attainable to most people so what was it that was first driving you besides like your brother you know getting an argument with the boss um when you were first back then like hey i gotta make more money like, what was your why was it the money the freedom was it something else
1: you, you know what i i never really chased the uh, chase the money i chased the athletes like i i got i enjoyed kicking everybody's ass uh, you know i grew up an athlete i uh, grew up a competitor um, and once you know the, the great thing about the business that i started at when i when i first got in the industry it, they created a culture of competition right and i can't stress how important that is if you ever have a business no matter what business it is it could be a freaking donut shop to to you know a car dealership or whatever you got to have competition right and they did a really good job of you know tracking our numbers, putting our numbers in front of us every day, put, putting us, you know, stack ranking us against our our competition and and really incentivizing us to be the best. And and obviously the training they put behind it made made it a lot better too. But you know, I think that's one of the things like once I got in this industry, I fell in love with it because it was like, dude, like I get to compete all day. Like I haven't got to compete like this in a long time. And I got to work at a business with a bunch of other competitors, right? So they hired they hired guys that were good communicators and they taught them HVAC where most HVAC companies, they go get technicians and then the technicians, don't, they don't really care. They just want their hourly wage. They went the opposite. Got good communicators, taught them HVAC and HVAC's not that hard to learn. It takes, you know, five, four, four to six months to get decent at it. And so they, they they figured out that way. And that's why the business grew like crazy. And that's why they're, they're a billion dollar business now the when I started out. Um, but yeah, so I think it's just always been competition to me. Uh, I think when I got into my started my business, I started getting into all these like Facebook groups uh, for home service companies. And I started seeing like all these other guys. I'm like, I want to do what that guy's doing. So I started bragging and talking about my stuff. And then this guy's like, Well, I did this. I'm like, Well, I can do that shit. Like, I can kick that ass. And then you know, that's kind of where where the, it's just competition. And and obviously, being from the sales side, um I am a very good sales trainer, and that's kind of what I do a lot of that now. So I was able to take these guys. You know, a lot of my employees, I took them from freaking food stamps or working three odd jobs to turning them into people making you know quarter million dollars a year selling truck So. And uh, it's, it's stuff like that that's helped me grow my business. It's competitive nature, I guess. Mm-hmm.
0: So that's, that's a good point because that could be a double-edged sword. So you have your companies where they focus on competition, but they do it the wrong way, where it's like they're pitting people against each other negatively versus positive. Yeah. So what are some of the things that you see in a company that focuses on the accolades and the competition and making sure that you're performing at your best level in a positive way versus a company that's just creating chaos in their business
1: so you know obviously there's there's ways to go about it right so like you know in my business i'm not going to pit two guys against each other i'm going to give them goals based on what what so like i i look at my employees at, at a micro level right so if i have a you know most companies are so they, they don't understand it so they're like hey go hit 200 grand you'll hit a bonus well you got guys that have never hit 200 grand in their life they're like why am i going to compete to try to get 200 grand and there's always that one guy just crushes it every time he keeps getting all the bonuses hmm so I built in my entire business off of. Hey, if you're at twenty grand, we're gonna have a com- we're gonna have a conversation that month. If you get to fifty grand, I'll hit you. I'll get you're gonna get taken. Right. So we did that incrementally through every single employee throughout the company, and that started from my call center reps to technicians, to managers, to everybody. I want incremental growth, right? And so I created that in a micro level in each in each employee. They're not com- they're not competing with each other. They're competing with themselves. And then obviously on that on the on the on the high end level, right? Obviously we have and then we have we'll group them into. Hey, at this level or these guys will compete with each other, right? And these guys will compete with each other. So it wasn't like everybody against each other. It was mostly they had their own goals and aspirations, and then we had a team goal as well. If we hit this together, we we'd all get something out of it. So I think that's how we built it, rather than trying to pit everybody against each other or like only one guy is winning every month while everybody else gets kicked in the teeth, right?
0: No, I I totally get it, and I think that's the right way to do it. Now, when you're running a business, and I know this because. I feel like, and you mentioned it earlier about, I didn't know what the hell I was doing. I didn't know anything about business. And it's so funny because a lot of people get into business that way, just like you did. It's like, okay, well, I'm a good plumber. I'm a good mechanic. I'm good at whatever this skill is. Let me go ahead and start doing it for myself. But the problem is that they get into it. They don't, they don't ask for help. They don't recognize where their downfalls are. And they start getting pulled in all these different directions from operations to marketing and sales and, installation or whatever it is and let's be honest people tune into this because they want the real unfiltered stories behind success you know that includes all the bullshit that we hide away and we don't talk about every day and I've heard whispers that um one of your biggest secrets has to do with maybe losing some focus along the way and stretching yourself a little thin so what what's going on with that what happened there yeah, I mean it's it's
1: one of those things, and and I I'm a person that's like I think I had I had, especially early on I had really shiny object syndrome, right? Like, oh, I want to go do that, or someone to offer me this opportunity, and this opportunity, and this opportunity, and and instead of focusing and getting laser focus on the one thing, right? Your door one thing that you're good at, you start spreading yourself thin, and that it comes with with youth and ego, right? Youth and ego will always will always catch up to you, right? So. One of the things, if you're a young entrepreneur, just like really just get laser focused on what you're good at, like what makes your money, Like, right? what makes you the most money and what makes you happy. And if you can get those two things together, then I would focus on that. And I would just, you know, don't worry about real estate and don't worry about acquisitions and all this other stuff that you can do. Just focus on what you're good at. So, you know, I I got distracted a lot early on uh, by chasing money. Like I was always chasing money. I was always chasing other opportunities and, and people kept throwing them, at, throwing them at me. Hey, you want to start this business? You want to start this business? You want to do this? Hey, let's do sales training. Let's do a Martin start a marketing agency. Or hey, let's start, hey, can you help me with these acquisitions? That's going make some acquisitions. Well, then it's taking away your focus from what your main thing is, right? And to be quite frank, if I would have just focused on my main thing, that business would have been hundred million dollars within five years. It wouldn't have been 40 million, it wouldn't have been 60 million, it would have been a hundred million. And that's a reality. And, and, and that's how I look back and you know, some mistakes that I made, but I also wasn't as passionate about uh running an HVAC business. So you know, I have bad ADHD, uh, so like I like building shit, but I don't like operating shit. And I'm really good at operating it if I focus, but I just like it doesn't it doesn't get me excited. Like when I had a, I had over 120 something employees, at, and I'm like, I got car crashes and customer concerns and employee concerns and all these things, and I'm just like, dude, why am I even doing this? Because I started getting, I got to the point where I was making so much more money outside of it. So I made great money in my business, but then I had I had like all these other businesses that are just spitting out money. And if I focus on those, I'd make more money anyway. So I would just kind of like, I wouldn't pay attention to the business. And all of a sudden I trust my managers and then have the proper processes in place. They would shit the bed and I I'd blame, I'd blame them when it really was my fault. Then I'd come back in the business, fire people fix it again, then do the same thing, the same cycle over and over. Rather than starting from the beginning with the right process, the right procedures, the right people, and and doing it that way, so I think that's that's one of the mistakes I made. It, it cost me millions of dollars, like millions. I also made a couple of bad acquisitions early on. Um, as a 31 oh, year old guy, my ego said whatever I thought I had the minus touch, and everything that I everything that I bought or acquired or what I touched it was going to turn to gold. Uh, so I remember I bought this business for 3.2 million dollars. It's two hours away from my current location. But I'm like, I looked at the numbers. It was a little overpriced, but I was like, ah, whatever. You know, if I take over this thing, it's going to be worth blah, 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 this, this, and this, right? Well, sure enough, I buy that business. It, now I have my business over here is on fire because <laughs> it's so early on. So I had a fire over here, and then I got a fire over here. I bought this business, and I didn't have enough time to focus on it, so the employees would quit or whatever would happen. So now I got two fires going on and this one's $3.2 million. I'm I'm paying the SBA like 30 something million or $37,000 a month on this business. Plus it's losing its ass because I've just not focused on it. So I ended up taking that business after nine months, $3.2 million and shutting it down. I just shut it down. And and the sba wouldn't let me like sell it because i had to sell it to enough to be able like if i was selling that business i had to sell it enough to cover the loan so i had to hold it so i had to, every month i have to keep sending a check to the sba even though that business is shut down so uh, that was a very expensive lesson and something that I regret to this day because it's something that, you know, cost me like beyond millions of dollars at this point. So the $3.2 million is one thing, but when you look at a valuation, because it, it brought down my valuation of my entire business because I was it, that burn on it. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of things that I, that I would have changed, but that's one of the, that's definitely one of the one things. Like I would have just focused on my one thing, my one location, focused on these people, and I would have had a hundred million dollar business very quick.
0: Yeah, I think we all go through that, not necessarily going from 40 to 100 million, but even for the layperson, I mean, the opportunist that's looking for the next way to make a little side hustle or something else. um, I think that unfortunately, well, you know, fortunately, unfortunately, the more the more successful you become, the more opportunities come your way. And it's harder to start making decisions around which ones are the good ones and which ones are, are relevant of my time or worthy of my time when there's just so much coming at you. But I think that even happens to people who aren't running, you know, this huge business, this behemoth. I think it's just for people every day. And I think it comes down to, you know, decision making skills. So, you know, whether you were back then, you had goals, like you said, that you were still chasing money and there was a little bit of ego. It sounded like this might have been the wake up call to say, OK, I got to take a step back and reassess the way I'm looking it.
1: <laughs> should have been. I made a lot more of the shitty mistakes after that, but that should have been my biggest wake up call. But uh, I don't know.
0: Well, what was your biggest wake up call? Let me ask you that.
1: Um, I think the biggest. I mean, I think that the biggest one. I get that's one of my biggest ones, but I think you know there's there's other partnerships and, and deals that I did along the way. The other thing that I didn't do is I move I move fast, right? Like when you're moving and doing what I've done like in a short period of time, you move so fast that you don't slow down and and read the uh read the contracts and read the, you know, go through the little fine print and and don't have the proper legal teams and all this stuff in the beginning. So there was a lot of stuff where I got screwed out of um legally, uh out of businesses, out of millions of dollars, out of deals, out of, you know, you know, making partnerships that end up falling out falling through. So I think that's one of the other the biggest wake up calls of waking up realizing I built a multi million dollar business and I was able to get kicked out of it without really much recourse out of another out of other business that I had built. So I think that was probably my biggest wake up call. Like, hey, we got to make sure we cross all our T's and dot all our I's. But it just happens when you're moving fast, right? Like, and I, I always tell people, like, you know, I make I make ten decisions before you make one. Yeah, seven of them are good, three of them suck, but you don't even know about the three shitty ones. i already I've already succeeded seven times. And I think that's something that, you know, a lot of people don't see the mistakes that I make because I do so many big things so fast. Like, like even this event that I'm doing right now, like, yeah, this sucks. I'm going to lose my ass on it. But, you know, I already know that I'll move on and be okay. Where most people would be freaking the fuck out right now. Like they're going to figure out, if you're looking at losing $700,000 on an event, you'd probably freak out, right? You probably won't be able to sleep at night.
0: Yeah, most people would. That's 100% true. And I like how you said about being quick to decide. So what do you think? is different about you? Because a lot of people procrastinate, they sit on decisions, they go back and forth, they make their pros and cons lists and they overthink the bullshit, right? And then they start, what happens then is just like you're saying, okay, well, now I'm overthinking this. And oh, by the way, since that time, when I started looking at this, this other shiny object started coming along. And now I'm thinking about this too. So what are like, what are some things you do for decision making? Does it just come natural to you? Or is it like, like almost a process at this point?
1: Now it's now I have to run it through a team uh, because like I said, I made some dumb choices that affected other people. So now I've slowed down and I'm like, okay, well, let's run it through you know my business partners and stuff like that and say, okay. Hey, is this worth my time? Right. I get excited, like I'm like, Yeah, we're gonna go do this. And I'm like, wait, 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 I don't get to do that anymore. Like a lot of decisions, you know, I, I have like going forward, like I, I know that I have people that I have to go and have to listen to, right? Like sometimes you have to open your head and close, you know, shut your ego down and just and talk to people and say, Hey, does this make sense? Right. Uh, so my decision-making process now, it's like, we're just trying to, I'm trying to focus on what makes me money and what's going to you know benefit me and my team going forward. Because I mean, before, like I would just make the decision. I would say, okay, well, I can, like I said, I can, you know, whatever it is, we'll make the decision and we'll try it out. And if it doesn't work, then I'll cut it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you know, this beginning of this year, I launched a supplement company. That was a distraction. Uh, you know, once I, by the time I got into it, I saw the margins just weren't, weren't really hitting right. There's a lot of, a lot of time wasted into it, so I shut it down. But I still took the opportunity. I still launched the business. I still like said, okay, we're going to try this, we're gonna give it a go and if it works, it works. Uh, but you have to know when to you know when to hold and when you know when to fold them right And that's the same thing with that business in, in that 3.2 million dollar business. I said, okay, well, I'm paying $32,000 or $32,000 32, a month to the SBA, but on top of it, it's losing 60 grand. Do mm-hmm. I want to lose 93 93 grand a month or do I want to lose 33 grand a month? And I said, okay, I'm going to lose, I'm going to lose 33 grand a month. I'm going to take it. And and because, because it became created such a distraction. Right. And then on top of it, I was losing more money. So I said, fuck that thing. Take it out back, shoot it in the head. Let's move on. Right. Like, I don't need, I don't need to deal with it anymore. So I made that decision really quick. Boom, shut it down, like laid off all these people. Like you're "You're fucking crazy. And I'm like, I am fucking crazy, but I'd also be crazy to keep continuing losing the money the way that I am. So. And I don't see it turning around quick enough to, to to recoup it. So why wouldn't I shut it down, liquidate the assets, use those assets to pay off pay off other bills and move on?
0: Yep. And that's that's the way to go about it, unfortunately, for a lot of people, I think, especially ones that I mean, there there is no other way to run a big business than to make decisions on the go like that. But you know, for people every day, they they're probably sitting there looking at you and like, okay, well, here's this guy who's living high on the horse. He's built this company. He's got a down pat. My life's not like that. And I can tell you personally, like, I know what it's like to run a business. I understand that there's a lot of behind the scenes bullshit that goes on. So, you know, you've been through even more stages than me in business for for years. Let's see. I'm in year 14 now. Um, And you've been through more than me. So talk a little bit about, if you don't mind, some of like, like the things that people don't see, the emotional toll that it takes on you, the stress, the things like that—how that impacts you when you're moving so fast and taking so much time for the business to grow. It.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it's caused a lot of issues, right? Like, so obviously, you know, I have three kids, and I had one of them during, I had a you know maybe since I launched my first business, and and it put a lot of stress. I, I missed a lot of a lot of family time, a lot of time with my kids. Uh, you know, not being there for my, for my ex, you know, my ex-wife and stuff like that. So there's a lot of stuff that I had, to, that I sacrificed and I thought were important, right, on this business is so important. All this stuff is so more, so much more important to my family. And in reality, it wasn't. So, you know, those are things that like, I can't go back and fix. Like, I I, I fucked those things up pretty bad. Uh, but now, like, you know, that's, I think that's been the biggest, like, eye-opening thing since I sold my business. Like, dude, I got so much time. Like, I want to hang, you know, it's, it's during the week. I don't even, I work from home now for the most part. So we I mean, do consulting. I just work from home. I can hang out with my kids. I'm coaching my kid in football. Uh, you know, I'm there. I see him every day, almost every day now. So, like stuff like that that I, I wasn't, I was neglecting, uh, and the important stuff that I was neglecting that I can I can't get back in time on. But it's definitely made a big difference. And you know, I didn't take vacation. I didn't enjoy the moment. I didn't celebrate the little wins. You know, you know, most people would celebrate getting to $5 million and $10 million and 20 million I didn't give a shit. Like I was on to the next thing already. And I think that you know, looking back, I would I would have celebrated a lot more. Uh, you know i never really thought of myself as successful um and and i'd always had this imposter syndrome so the imposter syndrome kept making me work harder and even to today like i just don't feel like i belong and then all of a sudden i get in the room and i'm like wait no i do belong like i am i am i do know what i know now so i think there's a lot of stuff that a lot of emotions you go through especially like then i almost like with that business i almost i thought i was gonna file bankruptcy like when i bought that business and i'm burning all this cash and I and my, my accountant comes to me he's like hey we're doing our 13-week flow analysis he's like dude Within seven weeks, we're fucking shutting the doors on this whole thing if we don't make a decision now. So I said, "That's when I said, okay." Literally, I was like, "What's the decision?" We ran, we ran through three options. I said, "That's the decision we're going with." Fucking shut the branch down. Do this, do this, and that. Cut these people. Cut this. Let's do this, and we're going to save the business. And at that point, I remember like, going home and crying, and my wife like, dude, I, you know, not only that, I like, fucking burned our family at this point, like not paying attention, but now I'm also going to burn the business. Like, the business is going to go out of business." And so like, and these are all ego decisions that I made that led to this. So it was very emotional, um, going through that time, having to call my vendors, having to call, you know, all these people and say, Hey, I need, I need to fucking, I need you to, to give me two months. I need to catch back up. Like, I need you guys to give me a chance. And you know, I, I did what I said I was going to do, but it was very emotional going through that stuff. So like, and you, and you learn and you fail. And, and even right now it's emotional going through like the event right now, like, I, I put on, I put on these amazing events and last year, everybody loved it. We had all like, we had, like everybody was talking about it for months. Right. So I said, okay, well, I'm going to go bigger on it. And, and I hired a better, you know, a different event coordinator. That was more expensive. I got a more expensive venue. Everything was just, you know, we, I bit off a lot more thinking, okay, we're going to be good. Well, it's emotional. I just spent the last year promoting this event and giving, putting everything I can into it, you know, getting all these people together, planning all this stuff. And then, and then we're not getting, you know, I'm not getting the return that I thought I was going to get. So so now I have to go through this emotional toll of like, okay, well, you know, maybe I'm fucking, maybe I'm not as good as I thought I was and all this stuff, even though like, you know, we're still doing great compared to any other event that I know this year. But it's like, I feel like I'm getting kicked in the teeth and people don't respect it. Cause so I'm like, dude, I'm, I put out $2 million of cash up front on this thing to make it happen. And then I hope and pray people are going to come and then they don't come. It kind of just like, it really defeats you. Uh, makes me want to just be like, okay, well, it's not worth it to me. I'm not going to keep, I'm not going to continue pushing to help people and try to do stuff. Cause I don't. I've never made a money off the events. I, in my first year, I lost two hundred thousand. Last year, I lost four hundred grand. This year, I might. If I everything goes wrong, I'm gonna lose seven hundred. And so it's like, fuck. You know, it's like I don't make a bunch of money on this stuff. What's the point of it? I'm, you know, wasting my time, my energy. But it's like, dude, when I dude, when I get done with it, dude, everybody that went to my event last year is making double or triple or quadruple their amount of money. Like literally, literally these people are like the people that are, did come last year are all coming back. They're like, dude, it changed my freaking life. Mm-hmm. You know. And the guys, I last year I gave out a hundred free tickets. Everybody that gave out free tickets to this year was able to buy them one of the most expensive tickets this year. As they said we made so much more money because of that event that we could buy that we actually can afford our tickets this year and afford our hotel. So stuff like that drives me, but it also it's just like, man, like, you know, I scratch everybody else's back and sometimes you don't get your, your scratch your back scratched back. It just kind of beats you up. You know what I mean?
0: I a hundred percent know mm-hmm. what you mean. And there's actually some research that was done around this. So you know, as far as you say, you it, it's like you have the evidence right in front of you and you know, you're helping people and you know what you d- are doing works. And then it's like, okay, I'm giving you all this. I'm going to give you more and I'm going to give you more. And then they, they don't use it and they don't take advantage of it. And then all of a sudden you get resentful and bitter. It's like, why the fuck did I spend all this time and money doing this? When, you know, clearly either you're not going to use the advice that I'm giving you or you're not even, you're not even going to be you know, follow the process or do what you're supposed to do. I went through this and shut a business down because of it. So I hear you wholeheartedly. And I think, and I'm not saying like, I'm not feminist or, you know, going for the guys or anything, but I am a wholeheartedly a believer that men have it worse than women because, there's this constant tug of war between the pressure to be a provider and the winner and not the loser. And then on the backside, this resentment for being tied down for work. So like, you know, on the front end, and I knew this because I was the breadwinner, the provider in my family, which of course led to, you know, the trials and tribulations. A lot of us entrepreneurs go through with relationships and divorce and everything, but you know, you're, you're on the front end, you're, working all day, you're in the trenches, you have people that you're doing things for that don't fully appreciate all that you're giving. And then you got to come home and it's like, well, you've been at work all day. You miss this. You miss that. You feel guilty. You're getting bashed at home because you're trying to put food on the table. And it's like this whole dichotomy of what the fuck. So you expect for these people that are actually paying you money for them to be a little bit more appreciative. And that's where the research comes in. It's that, And this is what it says is that highly competitive individuals, it's almost like the shadow side of you. And I don't think they call it that, but that's the best relation I have is that bitterness and resentment are the flip side of it. So it's like, you know, we compete, we compete, we compete, but when people don't get that recognition or we don't feel like we're getting that appreciation that we need, that's when the resentment and bitterness comes up. And I only know this because I am that to a T. (laughs) So, you know, asking, saying all that, you know, what's your advice for some of the people that, that are experiencing some of this that are like, I'm giving my all, I'm trying this and God damn it. Like, what else do you want from me?
1: You you have to, you have to, you just have to accept it and ignore it. So like, that's one thing I'm good at is really com- compartmentalizing things and, and really separating those emotions right and you're going to have those emotions aren't going to change or you're going to have them no matter what no matter what you do now you do need to you know if i was to go back like i said i would i would set aside time and i would have those i'd very have way more open conversations about it but be very direct on on hey look at you know i'm going to work on this but these are these are the times i'm going to shut off because i didn't shut off that was my problem seven days a week 365 i didn't shut off i was out i was answering my phone at the dinner table i was answering phones on vacation i was like anywhere we went I was. i didn't care I was responding and texting and answering social media and all this shit every day. Um, make sure you are shutting off. Make sure you set a time on that, and then just make sure that you actually follow through with what you say you're going to do. Because one thing that we fail at as entrepreneurs that we don't follow through with a lot of stuff, and a lot of times it's not following through with our customers. It's not following through with our family. Yeah. Uh, so you got to make sure you follow through with that stuff, and and you won't have that resentment. I don't think as much, but it's always going to be there, right? Because you know. We have, we literally, we have two, we have two babies, right? We have our family's our baby and then we have our, our business and we have to, and as you know, business is a relentless bitch, like it doesn't stop. Um, so I think that would be just a more open communication with everybody and set expectations, right? Mm-hmm. um You know, I tell my, I tell my customers all the time to set expectations or even when I'm doing sales, I'm really good at it. But when it came to me personally, I wasn't setting my own expectations. I wasn't setting my own ground rules or my own boundaries. And I think you gotta, you just really have to do that and you gotta lay it out and be very open with it. And just remember that people don't think like you do. If they thought like you do, they would run the business. And and when you realize that and you and you circle back around even with employees, or you get frustrated because they don't think like you. And it's like dude, they wouldn't be employees if they thought like you.
0: Mm-hmm. That's so true. So another thing you were mentioning was about, you know, when we were talking about focus and everything, you said that you've gotten hyper focused on your goals now, that you don't take things that don't align with what you have. So my first question is how have your goals changed now knowing everything you do all the mistakes the successes everything else how are they different from five years ago
1: you know five years i started the business i i wanted to grow the biggest home service business in the country like that was my goal and that was my singular goal um now i never want to run a business in my life i want to be an investor so like i've changed it to where how can i minimize the amount of work i have to do by but also you know but I also still be able to maximize my potential. Right. Uh, so now I, I, you know, someone's like, Hey, you want to start a business? No, I don't want to own the business. I, I, you know, I have my consulting business, but that's the only business I'm going to ever own again, like hundred percent or even be a majority. So I wanted to be able to be in a minority position, be able to like kind of pull the strings and not have to work anymore. Uh, because I know that I can, I am a lot, I can help more people and do more things in this, in this, you know, in this way than if I like, ever, if I'm an operator, if you're an operator of a business, you're so busy, you can't, you can't really help as many people. Uh, so I've really set it up to where I want to help contractors or entrepreneurs or pretty much anybody that, you know, wants to get into, the, get into either sales or even, even in, you know, running a business. I want to help them go through a lot of the, skip a lot of the pains that I went through. Right and so i think i'm almost more like a life coach than some of these guys than i am you know business coach. I, I have to like reel them in because they see they see social media and they see all these things that i did and they think it was just so easy and they want to go do it i'm like hold on bro let me tell you what you have to sacrifice to get there let me tell you what it's going to take and, and if you really want to do it i'll help you get there but i'm going to let you know like this is the things you're going to lose by doing this right and i have those open conversations with my clients and i have those open conversations with people all the time and I think it's been, it's been fun. Um, you know, doing the, doing the, being consultant has been a lot of fun, but I'm also just, you know, just trying to make sure that everything aligns. So I'll, I'm going to do my consulting. I will partner with businesses. I will not buy hundred percent of a business. And then obviously that I mean, we have our real estate stuff that we do as well, but most of the stuff I do now is hands off where I don't have to be there day in and day out. I have people that do stuff for me, but that's not, if I have to do it myself, I ain't doing it anymore.
0: Praise that. Well, it, well, it sounds like you, you've kind of rethought what, freedom means to you, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the, that's the key. And like how, how do I not have to be, I, I don't have to wake up every day. That, that'd be great. So that's kind of where I'm at now. Um, you know, even, even doing this podcast today was, you know, I just crawl myself out of bed. You know what I mean? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I feel <laughs> I just try so to, bad just, for you. I just said, I did some <laughs> traveling today and I was like, you know, I'm just trying to, we're trying to minimize it. You know, I'm trying to minimize the amount of stress on my team and myself and and you know, I think this year we really want to be more, you know, targeted on the clients that we take. Whereas like before, we we're just chasing revenue, and chasing clients, and we only want everybody. And I'm like, not everybody's my client. Not everybody, you know, not everybody deserves my time. And we're we're trying to get a lot better at that as well. Like, and and try to pinpoint our avatar, who we want to work with, and you know, we don't need as much revenue. We'll keep ourselves. I want to I want to keep my business as low overhead as possible, so minimize the amount of humans in it and then as high a profit margin as possible, right? So like, how do we have a high margin, low human, human necessary business? Those are the kind of businesses that I want to do. Because it's, it's just not, I don't want to, I will never want to have a hundred employees again ever. You have been paying me enough to do that.
0: I, I have one employee and I've probably been having them forever. And that's kind of been my go-to. I got in that same vicious cycle of 60, 80 hours out, 60 to 80 hour work weeks. And I'm like, I'm killing myself. And this is the whole reason that I got out of corporate. (laughs) Like, what am I doing wrong? And I think it's just like you said, it's aligning. First of all, understanding what your intrinsic motivation is, like what's driving you every day for you. It sounded like it was competition and then setting goals around not only what you want for your business and your revenue and the money that you want to make every month, but what kind of life do you want to have? And I think that's what a lot of people miss is that They go and they're like, oh, I want to make all this money because if I make money, I'll be able to take these vacations and I really want to travel. And it's like, well, what are you going to miss along the way to get there? So when you're thinking about that and what you have now and how you're hyper focusing your decision making and everything that are there things that you. Ask yourself to make sure that the decisions you're making are aligned with the goals that you have. Because I know it's difficult probably sometimes when somebody's like, dude, I want to start this business. And it sounds like a great fucking idea. And you're like, oh, my God, don't say yes. Don't say yes. Don't say yes.
1: (laughs) Just listen, listen to your gut, man. Like a lot of times, even when I, I, still remember being on the way to buy that business, the one I bought for three point two million. I was on my way there. We already had signed paperwork, but I still got it backed out because was like the last thing we had to do. And, and I, I was driving there, and my stomach said, "Turn the fuck around and go home." And if you have that feeling about it, and you're second guessing it at, before you even do it, just don't do it. It's not worth it. And I think that, that's that's one of the things is like we, we second guess ourselves, but we still keep pushing forward sometimes. And if you second guess it, you're not. It's not really. It's not aligned with what you want to do. So just make sure you listen and then make sure you have someone that you just, you can, you know, actually listen to, right? Like, you know, I have people where I'm like, yeah, what do you think I should do? And they're like, don't do it. I'm like, no, you went fuck you. Like you got to have someone you actually trust. You know what I mean? So like, for me, it was like, I had a lot of yes people around me. Right. And yes, people will get you in trouble, you know, find somebody, find a mentor, you know, me or Amy or one of these guys, I don't care who it is, man. Like there's people out there that will just be rational and just listen. And, And you know, if they can, if they can rationally listen and they, and they give you direction, be open to actually listening. Don't, don't let your ego take over.
0: That's awesome. That's awesome. So what do you think? Okay. And this probably, I know that we've been talking about so much and I'm bouncing all over the place, but things keep popping up in my head. What do you think it is that people doubt themselves for? Like when they're making decisions, why do they keep pushing towards something if their gut's telling them no, like I'm the same way. So I'll get Like I I say all the time that I don't ever get a like it's a yes. Usually it's like, oh, that's a hard no. Like you get a hey, do you want to go to that party this night? Nope. Nope. Don't want to go. But over time, like you, I've learned, okay Amy, just trust the gut. But a lot of people, they don't trust themselves. So like. I know for me, it took a lot of kind of soul searching and understanding, like what triggers me and emotionally and business-wise and everything else. What do you think that people really need to do if there was one thing to build more trust in, in their decision-making and in themselves and in trusting their intuition, so to speak?
1: I mean, that's kind of hard because I'm not, that I'm not still not the best at it. So it's kind of like, you know, like the blind leading the blind on it. My question, I guess, but um, you know, I think it's, We have to, we have to check, we have to check our egos. I I think, I mean, that's the biggest thing is like our egos are what's killed every one of us because we're, as an entrepreneur, entrepreneurs are wired to be able to think that they can take everything and turn it into better. Right. Like I drive, I drive by, I go to a restaurant. I'm like, if I own this restaurant, I'd make it better. Right. If I own this place, I would make it better. (laughs) Like the way you're running your business. that. I do it all the time and entrepreneurs we do it all the time. And like, and you say, oh, well, your customers, if this customer if this business is mine, the customer service would be way better or whatever it is. So we have this, this set that we think that we can make everything better. And when you think that way, then it's hard. When when ideas come to you, when things come to you, you're like, yeah, I can, I can do that. I can crush it. But you know, I think that if you're not dominating whatever you're already doing, then don't do anything else. Like if you're not the best at what you're doing already, then you haven't hit your peak, you haven't hit the top one percent of what you're doing, then don't do anything else. Right, and if you're new, if you're new, whatever you're trying to go into, right, like if your main business isn't cash flowing enough money to float a whole new business, then don't do it. So Mm -hmm. if you're you're looking, if you're not making money in your main business, and then you're going to try to do something else, you're not making money over there, and you're not making money over here, then you're never going to make money anywhere. Yeah. So you got to make if you're not making money from your main business, don't worry about something else. Figure that out first, and then work your way work your way out from there.
0: One hundred percent. Oh my god, that's so good. So Victor, we've talked about a lot. I know you gave a whole bunch of helpful tips and tricks and strategies, but you have, um, a whole bunch of stuff going on. Like you said, you're always doing events. You're always traveling, meeting people. If people wanted to learn more about you, if they wanted to get in touch with you, if they wanted to get you as a consultant, like how does that work?
1: Um, I mean, obviously, I always tell people to follow me on social media. Uh, you can go to either Facebook, Instagram, or TikTok. TikTok, It's just Victor, V-I-C-T-O-R, underscore Rancour, R-A-N-C-O-U-R. Uh, you can follow me there. Uh, I run a company called Prof, uh, Profit Rocket. Um, and we help we help consulting. We, we consult companies mostly in the home service space, but, you know, obviously, we are starting to branch out from that. So if you go to callprofitrocket.com, you can, you know, schedule a demo, schedule a th- free 30-minute call with me. Uh, I jump on calls with with entrepreneurs all the time, even if I can't help them, just to kind of guide them and give them ideas. I mean, I jumped on with a guy the other day. He was about to buy this business for $1.5 million. I said, send me the financials on it. Within about 10 minutes, I broke down the entire business for him, showed him exactly what, what was messed, what he's going to, where he's going to mess up if he makes his acquisition, told him exactly the question to ask the owner. He asked, he asked the guy that the seller, and within a couple of minutes, he's like, holy shit, you just saved me, uh, you know, a million and a half dollars because this guy was trying to screw me. Right. So. You know if you guys do have stuff I I have no problem jumping on and helping people. Uh, I got a couple books coming out. Obviously I don't have the names, I don't have the names for them yet. So we're working on that. Hopefully before the end of the year those are gonna come out. But yeah, I think if you go to what callprofitrocket.com, you can schedule a demo with me and jump on a call. But you know, jump into my jump into my Facebook group, which is uh if you're in the home service space, doesn't matter if you're in construction, solar, whatever it is, there's something in there for everybody, which is Profit Rocket Home Service Group on Facebook. Free group, jump in. There's a lot of other entrepreneurs and business owners that always spit ball ideas off each other, but yeah, main thing, find me on social media, hit me up, DM me, uh, we can jump on a 30 minute call or whatever, and see if I can help you. And I probably have somebody that can help you if I can. Uh, you not know, Obviously, I have a pretty big network at this point of great people. Uh, but yeah, that's how you told me, I guess.
0: Well, that's awesome. And I mean, just based on like some of the stuff and I was writing down as you were talking, I mean, some of the things, strategies, tips for you guys that... Victor kind of dropped here for free that you can get more about if you reach out to him, if you connect with him and definitely if you follow him because he's always posting on something and it's usually really good insights. Um, Number one, like he said, you know, don't just really understand what your goals are, what your intrinsic motivation is, what's driving you. For him, it was competition and then it changed over the years and that's going to happen and that's normal. So understand what's driving you, not, not just listening to everybody else telling you what you should be going after. Make sure it's about what you actually want and then sit down and map out some expectations, not only for the people around you, but also for yourself. You know, what does this look like? And don't, don't cave to that. If it's not something that's aligned with what your motivations are, with what your goals are, then it has to fall to the back of the line. It's not a priority anymore. And most importantly, what I love that he said, check your ego. What what do they say? You got to check it before it wrecks you or Wreck it. What the hell is that saying? I, I, I don't know. yeah, I don't
1: know. You gotta check yourself before check you yourself wreck. Check yourself before you
0: wreck yourself. That's it. Okay. So yeah, check I'm... yourself before you wreck yourself. I'd fuck that all up. Um your ego, you know, it if you can't figure out if it's your ego or not, somebody's calling you a narcissist, which you're typically not because most people are not. Usually it's just the ego. Everybody has one. Get a mentor. Mentors aren't just guide, but Guides, but they're mirrors. They'll show you your blind spots. If you think you don't need one, that's your ego talking. Like Victor was saying, there are so many things that I have wouldn't have never learned if it wasn't for a mentor. You don't always have the answers. If it's not that goal, it's if it's not aligned with it, knock your ego out the door and make sure that you're checking it. Right. So yeah, find um, find,
1: find people that find people that have done what you want to do and and figure out how they did it. Because everything you're doing right now is just RD, right? It's a it's robin duplicate. So figure out people that have already been there. They usually leave clues. And then like like I always say, success leaves clues. Figure out how they did it. And most people will tell you, right? It's weird. And we're in a new generation where people are very open about their information and how they did it and how they became successful. And they'll talk about it. But like anything else, the squeaky wheel gets the oil. If you don't ask, no one's going to help you. And like if you guys go to conferences and you don't go up and talk to the people that were on stage, the people that are doing what you're doing or doing what you want to do, that's on you, man. Squeaky wheel gets the oil. Go up and talk to people. You ever come to my conference? You ever see me or Amy come up and talk to us? Like I'm an open book. I would tell you, I can't, I don't sugarcoat shit. So I kind of, I might be a little blunt for some people if I might tell you're a fucking idiot, but at the end of the day, like it's better to find out from, from somebody else where you have to find out yourself and get your ass kicked.
0: That's probably why we get along so well. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, buddy, I got to tell you, you're the real deal. Um, Thanks for taking the time, taking off kind of the mask today behind the guy and showing us the raw, unedited version of what it takes to, you know, turn skeletons into stepping stones. Um, I think you've been very generous with your wisdom, and that's what this damn show is all about. So um, everybody listening, let his journey kind of be a wake up call for you that you need to dig deep to rise high, Victor. You're a rock star and a badass, and it's been a freaking delight having you, and I wish you the best on your incredible journey, bro.
1: Thank you so much for having me on, and like I said, everybody's listening to this, just remember anything's possible, man. You can be doing oil changes today and be a millionaire in a couple years. It just depends on how much work and effort you want to put in, so just don't think it's not possible. Whatever you're thinking about doing, just go do it. You get one chance, one life, so might as well make it happen while you can.
0: Amen. No better ending than that. Thanks, Vic. All right. Thank you, Amy. Bye. Bye. That's a wrap on this episode of Skeletons from the Closet with me, your go-to gal for turning chaos into growth, Amy Ball. If you love the ride, then sprint on over to our Skeletons website for more even badass resources. Oh, and if you dig what I'm putting down, don't be a stranger. Subscribe, drop a review, and maybe even leave a saucy comment. Until next time, keep building that trust and turning your struggles into damn superpowers.